0: I knew you'd be calling.
1: Uh-huh. You know, it's what I do. <laughs> yes, indeed. Let's see if we can get uh, David on the line here.
2: And then in the morning, he said. Yeah. So, anyways, Jeb,
1: how's the thunderstorm situation tonight?
0: Um, we had a little bit of rain move through. Let me open up a new browser. Uh, we had a little bit of rain move through. Oh, shit. Uh, We've got some more coming in. It's about 20 minutes out.
2: Well, then we better hurry. (laughs) Everybody take a deep breath of helium and exhale. And go. Talk fast. Yeah. No, we were
1: just gonna go for it, right? We're just going. We're already recording. You shouldn't have said. Sh- you said, sh- and now I've got to cut that out. And then I've got to cut well, me out saying. Well,
0: I was okay. I was. I was going to. Uh, <laughs> that was my first question. Really, was are, are we recording yet? So okay, fine. Yes. Now, now I know better. Yeah. Now you know better. And I won't. I won't give you my preamble then.
1: <laughs> okay, we'll get the preamble postly. <laughs> uh, so we'll get the preamble postly.
0: But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no idea. This is this is the best seat in the house. It's got a
1: runway in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? What do you want to talk about?
0: Uh, well, there is a list. Um, I don't know. What's the weather uh, lately? I, someone was saying it was like ninety-five in Oshkosh or somewhere in Wisconsin. It is ninety-five the other, here?
1: In the week. It was ninety-five or, here at Lookout Point today.
0: It hasn't gotten over 85 here all day. I
1: know. I was looking at this. I almost tweeted the fact that it was hotter here at Lookout Point than it was in yeah. Sarasota. I had this little a little app on my computer that sends me emails when we cross certain weather th- you know, temperature thresholds, and uh, and I, about within the same hour this afternoon, I got one that said the temperature passed above thirty degrees C in New Hampshire, and it went below thirty degrees. The same hour, it said it went below thirty degrees C in Sarasota. So, <laughs> yeah, well, so you know, uh, it was one of those days.
0: The, yeah, but you don't get too many hurricanes.
1: Well, you know, last couple of years we've gotten more than you have, so. Uh. Well, there is
0: that. There yeah. is that. So I don't. Know, I don't know that I'd want to be in New York City this this summer.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. Well, Most well, every summer, it. if you ask me. Well, there's that too. David, how are the hundred, how's the how's the hurricane situation there in Wichita? <laughs>
2: well, you know, the last hurricane to come through here. Uh, as was, uh was just a shadow of the self it was when it came ashore on the Gulf of Mexico. That's got to have been a decade. So we've been pretty cool on hurricanes since then. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So anyways,
2: you know, one thing I wanted to ask you guys about, here's one thing I want to ask you. We talked about this, uh,
1: icon a five spin resistance thing that, uh, has been going around. We talked about it twice. Once we talked about it about a month or two ago, when they first announced that they had been uh, making finger quotes certified, because it turns out they really weren't exactly certified. Right. But, uh, um, and then a couple weeks ago, we talked about the video that they put out where they compared the stall characteristics of their, of their A5 to a 152. And, and we went on about, you know, okay, it's spin resistant, but probably it can spin. Throughout all this conversation, we never talked about wh- whether or not what we might know about the A5's spin recoverability. Because- oh, that's,
0: a good, that's a good question. And, and another good question is what is the recovery method?
1: Right, you know, because there certainly have been airplanes, somewhat popular airplanes over the years, that are very, very, very difficult, if not impossible, to recover from a spin. Right, um, you know, and uh,
0: well, I, it, is it conceivable? I'm not. That, I'm, not, I'm, not sh- I'm not so sure about that. Okay, um,
1: why? Why do you see occasionally you come across aircraft that are placarded not to, not to be intentionally spun?
2: Oh, there are different reasons for that. Why? I mean, mean, there are are multiple reasons reasons for that. Okay, give me me one. Each, David, you give me one. Well, some aircraft were uh, certified under standards that didn't require them to demonstrate this. And so they were placarded to not do that because they're not attesting to the qualities of the spin or the recoverability. Okay. And Jeb, what's your one?
0: Um, depends on the regulations under which it's certified.
1: I'm not sure what that means exactly.
0: Well, you know, if it's, if it's acrobatic, uh, then it might not have that placard.
2: Right. Okay. Right. If it's certified acrobatic category, I oh. think it has to have been yeah. through spin training. <laughs> I would think. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But, but uh, that is considered an aerobatic maneuver. So we're not at all suspicious that this whole
1: A5 spin resistance thing is a smokescreen for issues with spin recoverability.
2: Well, uh, I can't Sirius imagine went the same route, if I remember
0: right. Yeah. But what is so unconventional about the. Uh the A5 that we would have some ungodly, um, scary kind of spin characteristic.
1: Well, I mean, it's got a very, very different wing configuration, doesn't it? I mean, not it's different. Who the heck knows? I don't mean to be alarmist here, and I know, yeah. I'm certainly not trying to trash the Icon A5 because it's got a lot of good but, things going for it. But but it just kind of, I well, got to thinking th- about this, you know?
0: And okay. okay. Well, uh, okay, I, 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 I understand where you're coming from. A, cu- a couple of three thoughts here real quick. Um... The, the one, the, the um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know this for certain, but I would I would guess that, as we discussed an episode or two ago, Icon achieved its spin resistance, and I'm I'm not going to put finger quotes on that. That's what they're calling it: spin resistance, uh, through some combination of of uh, different airfoils and and uh, uh, treatment of the wing, especially the outboard wing, and limiting elevator up authority, elevator nose up authority. Um That will make the airplane behave. Those two things can, I should say, make an airplane behave as the A five does in the videos. Is that all they did? If that's all they did, well, okay. That's nothing really um, to, to worry too, uh, too much to worry about. First of all, we shouldn't be getting into spins in the first place. So let, let's let's think about what kind of foo bars it really takes. For someone conducting normal operations to get an airplane in a spin mm-hmm. that there's there's no good excuse for that, although it happens with some regularity, there's still no good excuse for it, okay yeah, so well, of
1: course the acro guys would say it's fun,
0: yeah, but we're talking about what I would call normal operations okay you you you're 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 out for a rec- some recreational purpose or some personal transportation purpose or a business purpose. There's no reason to go out and, and and get the airplane into a situation where you could spin it. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, what what are you thinking? What are you doing? You know, so let's think about it, just avoiding situations where we can get into spins in the first place, and then you know, let's move on and talk about what's it going to take to recover from an inadvertent spin if we got into one, and then we're talking about we've got to neutralize the ailerons. Uh, we got to neutralize the rudder. I'm sorry, don't don't neutralize the rudder. Um, kick rudder in the opposite direction. And some airplanes you want to go all the way forward on the pitch control. Some airplanes you want to go neutral on the pitch control. Uh, some airplanes you might want to keep the rudder neutral. But those are the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I'm sorry. I I was listening to you, but I was also doing a a Google search. I'm curious whether or not any sort of ICON A5 manuals or checklists were on the net. I'm curious what the POH says about uh, about, uh, spin recovery. It will be interesting. Does the A5 have a
2: parachute? I believe that that is... Supposed to be part of the equipment.
1: Yeah, so I wonder but I'd, maybe
2: I need to visit the website again for that.
0: Yeah, I wonder if the, yeah, if, the if
1: the spin recovery in you know instruction is pull the red handle. I don't know.
0: Yeah, that could well be too. I can't imagine an aircraft getting the vibe the E5 has does not have a ballistic parachute recovery system.
2: Well, we were talking about this you, you Jackie mentioned the whole focus on spin resistance and 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 so forth and 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 I think I'd mentioned before that this was an approach Cirrus took and one of the reasons that, that Cirrus was wanted a parachute Alan, Allen actually Klapmeyer, uh he survived a mid-air collision mm-hmm. and thought about how infrequently that survival actually happens in mid-air collision and 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 you walk away uh, and the other situations where pilots lose control of airplanes, where if they had a second chance, they too might walk away, hence the parachute uh, The truth is most modern airplanes aren 't certified to spin they 're not they 're placarded against it, and it hasn 't been in our training syllabus for how many decades now in a long time yeah it's it 's so yeah. focusing on an air on, on making an airplane spin resistant. Is just kind of smart in my view. It's one thing to say, "Yeah, it'll spin," but the placard says, "Don't you do that." And knowing that humans will fubar occasionally, and they'll get the ball, the skid ball on one side, and the rudder on the other, and the airplane down at stall speed, and lo and behold, one of the wings goes, "Woo!" I'm not doing this anymore, and stops flying, and the other one keeps going. Well, you got to spin, so. Yeah. Making it resistant to that just really smart. They're taking the same approach. If you look at their airfoil and the foil on an SR twenty or an SR twenty two, the differing radiuses and different cuffs between the inboard and outboard part of the wings makes a big difference to it. it also twist and washout have a big influence right. on when how the wings will stall.
1: Yeah. Um FYI, I'm looking at the uh dot com website, the A five model specs. And it says that the Icon complete airplane parachute is optional. So, just FYI, it very often again? is because the, of the, the weight involved. Yeah, the, the, the parachute is optional. Yes, that's what this uh, this uh, the A five specs page on the Icon website says. What's the What's the useful load with the parachute? Oh, let's see now. <laughs> <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't break it out that way that I'm seeing. It's, yeah. It has a range, though. It says useful load, 430 to 530 pounds, option mm-hmm. dependent. So that's probably related to the parachute. That's just what you're talking mm-hmm. about.
2: That would be uh, the other uh, variable in that number, Jack, yeah. is whether you buy the airplane with the powered wing folding and unfolding system or whether you buy it with the manual system. And how would that make a difference? Weight-wise, that would make a difference, or some other well, way? Yeah, a huge weight difference. Oh, I'm because sure it would. Because the just... automated system's going to have a motor and jack screws right. and, and and linkages that uh, the manual do-it-yourself pull a pin, fold the wing doesn't have. Yeah,
0: interesting. One of yeah. the sp- we, we, we're about to we're we're about to get some yellow and and orange here. So just, okay, ooh, boy. Yeah.
2: Okay, I hope you're talking about weather,
1: but okay, I am yeah. Talking about weather, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, Interesting. Another item here from the uh, A five specs list here. Uh, apparently, a, a wing angle of attack indicator appears to be standard equipment, which is. That's a good idea. Yeah, no, I yeah, agree. I, nice. I've that's always thought idea. that would be a great thing. What you, what you need is you need two. You
0: need one for each wing, in my view. But here's 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 the thing. I, I, I certainly I certainly grok icons, uh, um, and um, in, and. In, 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 um, uh, I'm sorry. I certainly understand and appreciate uh, Icon's achievement in 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 the testing and the and the way they've developed the spin characteristics. Uh, it looks like a great little airplane is in the offing. I think one of the things that we all should be thinking about, though, is how to avoid stalls in the first place. Yes. And no, I
1: don't, I don't disagree and, with and, that. I don't disagree with that. And
0: and and you know, it's just it's just there's just no reason for it. Yeah.
1: And and I just want to say one more time, this is very academic conversation. This is hangar flying. Um, we have no. We, we certainly don't want to cast dispersions on what appears to be a really cool airplane. It's right, just just right. kind of it's just kind of fodder for conversation. Yeah. And uh,
0: uh, but I think one of the the the, the things that um, I, I don't know Icon that well. I don't know what they're touting. Uh, what other. Uh, um, Features of their aircraft that they're emphasizing, but uh, it it doesn't really matter how safe the aircraft is, how many parachutes it has, how spin resistant it is. Uh, Someone someone's going to find a way to 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 uh, hit something with
1: it. Yeah, hurt themselves
0: in it. Yeah. So so that's that's spin resistance is one element of overall operational safety. It's by no means the only.
1: Yeah. Speaking of. I see even when we're just talking i do segues it's really bad uh the spin zone all right is what some people are calling this new place this new area that they're building at van nuys airport have you seen this no yeah Please. david i think you're familiar with this this is uh van nuys airport they finally got all the permits or whatever and they started construction they're taking a portion of van nuys airport's ramp and dedicating it apparently to propeller airplanes uh it's going to be basically some sort of specialized you know prop, and not necessarily piston, although I would think piston um, FBO kind of thing. And I think we're still prop, predominantly talking
2: piston here in this regard. I think uh, so, yes. Because it, the, the shift in population that has happened there has been kind of toward the kerosene variety. Yeah. So... Uh, I, you know, I'm not sure what I think
1: on one level it's cool that there's any kind of new exciting you know stuff like this going on at any airport, even as exciting one as, as Van Nuys. but uh, um, the idea of of uh, of segregating the propeller planes makes me a little uncomfortable i don't know
2: Well, I think it's not a matter of segregation so much. I think that's per, kind of happened by dennt of the how the population has changed at Van Nuys the the base population and and the dominant operations there, Uh, I think what they're trying to do there is make more space and make it a more welcoming space for people that may maybe who've not felt like their needs were being accommodated and they were particularly welcome there because they weren't topping off with you know four or five hundred gallons of Jet A uh, when they came in and asked to fuel up. Uh, which has happened at other airports in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I know one, I can almost throw a rock at it. Uh, but so this, uh, yeah, you look at this in the inverse. What you fear ha- happening has already happened, that's already transpired. Yeah. Uh, this is an effort to kind of undo that. And 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 uh, reintroduce the airport to uh, uh, an operating population that maybe hasn't been as as uh, deep there as it used to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: the long-awaited 26.5 million dollar VNY propeller park is scheduled to break ground in August, with its developer now clearing the site. Uh, it's the beginning, let's see, you know, somebody here, uh, Elliot Sanders, president of the Van Nuys Propeller Association, they have their own association, uh, says, it's the beginning of a location to foster the community we lost at Van Nuys Airport, the community of aviators that created aviation over the last 100 years. Located on the old Air National Guard site. So,
2: Yeah, I think if you look at the different socialization patterns, if you will uh, that what made a lot of airports homey and wonderful in 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 their era was them having a place for people to come and hang out hang, congregate right. do what we're doing right now, right yeah, which kind of evaporates when airports get more and more business like more and more corporate when the uh human spaces start to gravitate away from bare concrete floors in the hangars to epoxy floors with sodium lights and, and, and uh, uh, power tugs that move everything when the FBO's stop being shacks and start being marble palaces. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I've used more than my share of those places. But when and it gets to the point where if you taxi in and drop off a passenger yeah, who's going to catch a flight at the commercial terminal across the field, and there's a fee for you being dropped off of, let's say, 35 Mm-hmm. The airplane occupies space on the ramp for a total of seven or eight minutes. So they're getting five, six bucks a minute for that piston airplane to be there to drop you off. That's when the piston population starts to disappear.
0: Well, yeah. so, n- not not only that, but I think we've all been surprised by airport fees, um, drop-off charges. I know what was it thirty five dollars to for a stop and drop at at, uh, at Tampa Jet Center. Yep. You know, something like that. Um, there should be on every public airport some area of the airport. Where a private general aviation aircraft, privately owned, privately operated, can taxi, uh, drop off a passenger, uh, remain no more than an hour, and leave without having to pay a fee. I agree. Yeah, you know, it, it's, it's, it's it's I'm sure I'm sure Homeland Security is going to little, love you know, that idea. Gee, too. gee, know. I don't know if they I don't, I don't know if they want us here kind of thing. Yeah, but no, but it I, doesn't have to be. I'm not talking specifically and, and even Homeland Security. So what it can it, it can still be the FBO ramp, but just a certain segment of it or the FBO is regulated to the extent that for a stop and drop like that, they can't charge a fee. Something, something's got to give on that. There ought to, there are still ought to be public access to these airports without that kind of fee. Oh,
2: I agree. No, no, I agree. I was making a bad joke, but. Uh, well, there ought, to, there ought to be a place on an airport with, that was built up by, you know, the the the, the, the sweat and, and av gas of piston airplane people uh, over the years. You've got to maintain a place where those folks can still come and gather and hang out and shoot the breeze. And it not be the pilot's lounge at some, uh, FBO where the fuel's gonna cost seven bucks a gallon. Because that's you know you don't want to hang out there. That's like trying to hang out in the in in the lobby of a five star restaurant. It, yeah, okay, you can do it, but it's not the homiest place that you're going to hang out. Yeah, yeah. There,
1: there's this other story here. Do You see this? This is not exactly what you're talking about, David. But uh, and Jeb. But uh, um, it made me think of it here. Uh, work begin. What is this? Oh, this is from the GA News General Aviation News dot com website. Uh, work begins on GMU Park. Uh, work has begun on a new park at Greenville Downtown Airport. G- uh, uh, golf, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, golf Mike Uniform, the largest general aviation airport in South Carolina. Um, apparently, what this is, though, this is just a park that's adjacent to the airport. To like, and and. I don't know whether they're thinking it's just a way of using some unused land, but I think apparently there's going to be like walking paths around the outside sure. of the of the airport fence you know i mean I think this is a yeah. terrific that's, idea
0: that's a great great uh, uh, uh i don't know what the correct term is, but double use of of airport property yes yeah that's a it, great yeah. great idea
1: yeah and plus plus it brings the general public to the airport to kind of see it and right. to you know kind it, of and
2: and that's a thing that got lost. Years ago, not before, not not when the TSA came, but when airports started to become more focused on the, the 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 act of doing business and less focused in on the the general public. I mean, I remember my folks taking me to Stanford Field, now Louisville International, uh, when I was a kid, and we could walk into the lobby of the terminal. And take an elevator, or take this big winding open stairway up a couple of floors, and there was an observation deck.
0: Yeah, I know. Yeah, there yeah.
2: was an observation I deck, know. and I could look down, and I could see the DC-7s and and, and the the, uh, uh, the 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 Douglas or uh, the the uh, Boeing airplanes. Uh, the, Loading passengers, not on jetways where you don't see them. They disappear down a hollow. But people actually walking across a ramp and having a stair with their briefcases and their – and. Then one day, those things disappeared. Yeah. Well, they haven't completely well, uh, disappeared, but every now and
1: then I'm on a flight where you where we board or – or, or uh, uh, what's the opposite of a, a bo- on board? A board um, oh,
2: it's in, in Peachtree to Cat Disembark. Airport, outside disembark. of Atlanta, in, in Atlanta a couple of years ago for NBAA, and was thrilled to see that there had been a park carved out of part of the airport property. Now, there was still a big chain-link fence between this park and the runways, but it was almost baseball-throwing distance to the taxiway Yeah, where airplanes were coming back, and they had airplane-themed playground stuff and benches. You could just come and sit and hang out, have lunch, and watch. And I was thinking, wow, how out of sync that is with that, oh, you're taking pictures of airplanes? We need to see some ID. <laughs> yeah, I know. Kind of mentality <laughs> that you don't. Like, yeah.
0: well, whiskey Tango Foxtrot? Of course I'm taking You know, pictures. it used to be and I think I've I think I think I've told this before on a podcast previous episodes. Back in the sixties, um I would ride shotgun occasionally on a charter uh into Lambert St. Louis from where I lived in Illinois at the time. And uh this was again the mid to late sixties. And we'd be in like a three ten or a skymaster or or something like that. And we land at the Lambert and roll out and taxi up to the terminal. And there was a specific gate set aside in the terminal for GA arrivals, GA yeah. operations. Yeah. And you, you taxi in, you shut down, the uh, passenger, you know, aboards or gets out depending on the operation. And he or she, you know, comes, goes up the stairs um, into the concourse and you know, there was no security anywhere close to what we have now back then. And uh, went on to his or her gate. Yeah. And uh, uh, the, the airplane took off. You know, went back home. And it didn't That's, cost him yeah, thirty-five bucks for the walk. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I remember just in the last couple of years. I was rereading one of the great books about aviation. In my view, Frank Kingston Smith, Smith's uh, "Weekend Pilot," and uh, this is the story. A story of a regular guy who learns how to fly, uh, sort of midlife, um, and this takes place probably in the early '60s or even the '50s or something like that. Uh, and uh, he talks about going out to learn how to fly at Wings Field, which still exists. It's uh, to the north of. Philadelphia oh, uh, fam- that's the family airport of AOP. PA. Oh, is it really? Yeah. So he yeah. talked, but back then, 50s, 60s, whatever it was, he talks about going to Wings Field and how there was a country club with a swimming pool on the airport grounds basically and if you go to the satellite picture the the swimming pool is still there actually you can actually see the swimming pool it's right next to the parking lot of the ramp wings field so anyways yeah we got to do more things to bring people we got to make the airport a multi-use place so that everybody can kind of realize that it's not scary and you know not you know a place where terrorists are loitering or anything like that it's just crazy
2: so, Jack, I got a question.
1: Yeah. What sort of jobs do lend themselves to business flying in a piston single? <laughs> see, you're learning. You're learning. I don't know. You guys tell me. This is a listener. Some listener sent us this question. Who was it? Does it say here who said this question? Uh, let's see. It's a
2: ray. Say it again. Well, I'm not sure how to pronounce this. It's E T T E R R E. And if there was a, a, a an apostrophe in there, I'd say it's
1: a ray. Yeah. So, yeah, he wanted to know. And I guess it was because, you know, in conversation with people, he wanted to be able to make the argument that, you know, this is work. This is business. This is, you know, people are, um, you know, using airplanes for work. What, you know, Jeb, you use your airplane for business transportation. That's kind of an
0: obvious one, right? Yeah. Um, i I, brings up an interesting story. Um, Years ago, it's about 20 years ago. I was working for a large multinational uh, corporation, shall we say, that had facilities throughout the U.S. I was based in Washington, D.C. And I had a trip coming up that I needed to be in like three different locations. The furthest south was Columbus, Georgia. Um, The closest was maybe um, Hickory, North Carolina. And uh, the, the middle-distant uh, um, destination was in Tri-Cities uh, area,
2: mm-hmm.
0: in Knoxville, I think it was. And um, it's just like, you know, I cannot imagine a punishment greater than having to fly to Atlanta, fly to North Carolina, fly to Atlanta, fly to Columbus, fly to Atlanta, fly to Knoxville, Fly to Atlanta, fly back to DC. Wow, I, I cannot imagine a fate other than death that would would involve that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's right there. Okay, so I went to my boss and said, you know, this is stupid. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do this on an airliner. I'll fly myself on this route. It'll it'll cost you less money. I'll be gone fewer days, and I won't be as tired. He's like. How how are we going to get you reimbursed and all that stuff? I said, well, we'll just you know we'll just do it. We've never <laughs> done it. Company didn't company didn't have any policies on this. this is this is a multi billion dollar uh, um, uh, uh, large company? Let's just put it that way. Yeah. Um, so he, he he you know basically said go for it. So I went for it and um, did the trip. Worked out fine. No issues. Uh, um, got a call. From the um, headquarters guy that we reported <laughs> to, and uh, it was it wasn't a whiskey tango foxtrot. It was more of a whiskey foxtrot tango. <laughs> 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 to, to, to be to be uh, quite honest, <laughs> yeah. So what do you say? He's like. He he's he's like, oh, uh, you have pilot license. I said, yes, I do. He says, you where you get airplane? I you know borrow, rent, whatever. Basically, he concluded the conversation. Don't do that again. (laughs) Yeah,
1: right. (laughs) See, and that's the problem is that so many companies are not comfortable with this. They, they, you know, I mean, I think they're uninformed, but they
0: well, they are and they aren't. Um, The the in the past, I don't know if it's still the case or not. In the past. Workman's compensation coverage um, to cover employees who, on company-provided private aircraft, i.e. non-scheduled aircraft, mm-hmm. so the premiums go through the ceiling.
1: Is that is that fair? Is that is that based on... I'm sorry, based on what? Based on Jeb, you're breaking up a little bit here. It must be raining out there. Jeb, you back yet? I think so okay, can you hear there me he is? yeah, we hear you now can you hear me now okay. I can hear you now you were saying uh you were i said uh, is it is it is it reasonable that the premiums go through the roof or is it just ignorance, and you started to I don't s- think it's reasonable
0: I don't think it's reasonable, yeah uh, uh, that's just the way of the world
1: i mean the right. same the same thing doesn't happen when people want to drive themselves
2: to a business trip on in their car, does it no. But well, yes, sometimes. But some, some, generally, yeah, no. no, not. But that's different, you see. Yeah, they're comfortable with driving; they do it themselves. Yeah, David, you said you had an example. I had a really fortunate uh, boss for me, for the years that I was with the Wichita Eagle, a uh, gentleman named Reed Ash. Uh, he's retired from the newspaper business now, I understand. Wonderful guy, really encouraging. He told me when he heard I was, uh, looking for an airplane, he stopped by my desk, invited me to stop by his office after work, went down to his office. We had a taste of scotch, and he said, So I understand you're looking for an airplane. I got one piece of advice, if you don't mind the unsolicited advice. Sure. What he was an aircraft owner he said, Don't buy local. If you buy local, the other guy won't trust you ever again. Buy something that's not built here. And then when you get a chance to use it for work, come and see me and I'll teach you how to how to get away with it.
1: Okay. I'm gonna come back to this get away with it thing, but but I don't understand what you mean by don't buy local, the guy will never let you get away with it. What what is that? Well mean?
2: if I bought a beach the Cessna people would never trust me. If oh. I bought a Cessna, the beach people would never trust me. And he trusted that he wasn't paying me enough to buy a Learjet. Right. So he wasn't too worried about that option. Right. So you mean, because you're in an industry town and that's what you're talking about. And I was working for
1: the local newspaper right. covering that industry. So. Okay. So how did he suggest that you go about arranging to do your travel in your small plane? Well, it was funny uh this big story came along I'm sorry Jeb you're, I'm sorry Jeb not your small plane your personal plane Yeah Thank that's you. okay Now I'm Dave yeah, No and no I know I know you're Dave but Jeb doesn't like it when we call them small planes Oh small I, I versus, don't like it yeah yeah, yeah so uh,
2: I apologize Jeb personal airplane I'm sorry that's David right. for interrupting personal, you go ahead My personal airplane was uh, a Cherokee 140 at that time and I got my license in it and then this big story came out that Cessna was going to be launching a new factory for the piston airplanes. Uh, There was a lot behind finding out where that was going to be before they wanted to talk about where that was going to be. And all the places were some distance away from Wichita. And it became quickly apparent that driving to some of these places, even though they were in the same state, Doing my interviews, talking to people, and then driving back was basically going to eat an entire day. And if I had a story to write when I got back, I wouldn't get out of the office till midnight. But if I could fly it, mm-hmm. I just couldn't put down that I flew it. Right. I needed the AAA, yeah, yeah. I needed the AAA mileage for driving the trip, which I turned in into. To the accounting as my expenses on it, and they reimbursed me the mileage rate for the miles that I'd quote unquote driven, which usually worked out to just about cover gas in those years. Mm-hmm. Gas in the airplane. I just had to remember not to come right back to the office. <laughs> yeah, don't yeah right. Don't appear any faster than you're able. You, you should be able to right. Yeah, and the the question only came up once when. I didn't come right back to the office. I met a friend for a, a bite of uh, a lunch, late lunch, on the east side of Wichita. And by some dumb luck, one of the supervising people in the newsroom was having lunch there with a friend as well. And didn't I see you in this restaurant? How would you get back from Independence so fast? Yeah. No, uh, that wasn't me. I didn't get back from Independence about a half hour ago. I know. But wow, don't you- <laughs> that guy was wearing the same shirt and everything. That's a popular color. Yeah. But don't you think,
1: I mean, you know, so what you're doing by doing it that way, though, is taking a lot of the liability of the trip onto yourself, when in fairness, that liability ought to be shared between yourself and your
2: employer. I'm I'm sorry to tell you this, dude, but the liability for my flying was always me. Well, okay, of course, but... <laughs> you know,
1: well, okay, I hear you. All right. I mean so seriously, what I'm hearing here is that it's a pretty it's pretty bleak the idea of flying yourself for for business for
0: for business. It, de- it depends on the organization yeah. it depends on the business. Yeah. Uh but it, the trips, mine which was like a 2-day trip and um uh Dave's which was a 1-day trip, it's it, in a light airplane. It, it's crazy not to be able to avail yourself of that uh, that that capability and that utility. So um let's answer the question. In a smaller organization, you can probably get away with it. If you're self-employed, you can certainly get away with yeah. it. Yeah, that's right. Depending depending on the contracts you know you, you have, or, or or you know as, as long as someone doesn't make it a part of their contract with you to prevent you from being in your airplane, the, there's really nothing they can say. Is getting reimbursed for it, it starts to get hinky, mm-hmm. but uh, that's something you should work out beforehand.
2: Yeah, for, David. What for were you a number say? of years, yeah. for a number of years, I was able to fly eighty-five, ninety percent of my business trips myself. Uh, most of the time, I got reimbursed, but the reimbursement was never more than gas money, and and it was uh, expensed in a way that made it just part of my fee. I flew myself. I paid for my gas. Right. Uh, it worked out. We kept it FAA clean and IRS clean. That's why we have an accountant. Uh, but that's not true 100% of the time. But I know guys that are, for example, lawyers who work a circuit of remote communities. Mm-hmm. And rather than drive you know, three or four of these cities uh, every other week, or three or four of these towns, hundreds of miles apart sometimes, and, and spend the better part of a week on the road, they arrange their schedule so that they can fly. They hit one in the morning and a second one in the afternoon, they RON and then they do two more the next day and they're home in three days instead of five. Uh they make it part of their expense base. Uh I know regional sales reps who do something similar. Uh guys that shop auto auctions for big car dealers they hit these different auto auctions by flying to them they do the buying and then later on they may bring a different airplane back with four or five drivers to pick up the cars that they bought Right. Mm-hmm. Drive yep. them back to the dealership yeah. uh that's one they usually use a bigger airplane for that latter trip, but very often juice nothing more than a bonanza or a, uh a, a Saratoga or something like that for the going out and buying stuff trips yeah uh, uh regional sales reps like that uh pharmaceuticals uh engineers that do remote work uh airborne photography folks that are doing site photography for construction companies or for environmental remediation there's a lot of stuff out there
1: yeah yeah well um, so Arnold Palmer the uh, legendary professional golfer was somewhat famous for being right. one of the first golfers to uh, and this goes back way back to his early in his career when these guys didn't make as much money as they do now and uh, they would all drive themselves around the country from tournament to tournament he went out and got a pilot's license and got himself an airplane and started flying himself from tournament and, to tournament
2: and and there's a school of thought that that's one of the reasons why he did so much better than so many of his competitors oh yeah is because he wasn't as tired from travel he had more time to decompress more time to practice on the new course or conversely more time to take a break from the circuit stop by home in Pennsylvania and then still make the tournament uh, on the same schedule as everybody else yeah so um there are ways out there, if you can look for it, and there are ways to make it pay or at least cover the cost. But that takes knowing how to structure what you're doing appropriately. Yeah.
0: And and you don't have to – think about, too, you don't have to recover or cover all of your costs. Bingo. Uh, um, to me, uh, the, the ability or, or, or lack of necess- need to go through TSA – uh, to to fly myself across the country is it's worth stuff a substantial benefit. How, yeah. how much is that worth? Yeah, how much is that worth to you?
2: Yeah, no. Well, no. and I always felt like if I was recovering gas expenses, yeah, that I was fine because I got the benefit of owning the airplane and flying at any time I wanted to for other projects that didn't have clients. Right. Uh you know it, it was a small thing uh but it worked really well for us and it doesn't have to be a really expensive airplane to make that happen to make that viable
1: yeah yeah so
2: david you said something a little while ago it's been a, um
1: did, did you guys have either of you guys ever been involved in actually putting down one of these epoxy floors <laughs> I'm sorry, this is like really apropos of almost nothing. But you mentioned this. Did you ever do this? You know what I'm talking about, right? These fancy, uh, heart, uh, 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 glossy uh, coatings that you put on the floor of a hanger?
0: For like a hanger or a garage or something yeah, like that? Yeah, right, a hanger or a garage. You ever I, I, I've seen them. I've been on them. I've never put one down. Oh,
2: man, what an ordeal. Uh, you I, don't that's want what I've I, been around. I, I understand, yeah. I, well, I was... Uh,
0: well, there's, a, there's a remedy for that, Jack. Oh, it's cheese it's called Master Come down
2: and finish
1: his hangar. <laughs> yeah. Well, that was yeah, Jeff. That should have been the answer. So I used to volunteer for a uh, aviation museum out in uh, in California, south of uh, San Jose, and uh, they had a hangar and it had just kind of a, your basic concrete floor, poured concrete, you know, uh, um, slab floor, and they wanted to uh, to seal it, and they had uh, somebody had donated all of the materials to to do the sealing. Um, but they didn't have the money, really, to hire a firm to actually apply this stuff. So, so a couple guys in the in the group said, no, we can do this, no problem. And I didn't know any better. And I said, so I'll help, sure, let's do it. So first you have to go in and you have to like, I don't know if it's acid or you have to basically clean the floor, super clean the floor to get all of the oil and all of the whatever off the floor, right? So that's there just... can't a, be anything there but concrete. Right. So that's just an ordeal all by itself to get this floor clean i mean it's just like a pain in the neck all right and then you go back in and it's like I said it's epoxy it's two parts it's a binary kind of thing and you mix the stuff up and you've got a limited amount of time to actually apply it so you mix it up in small batches and then you start rolling it onto the floor all right and and you got to be really careful to try and try and apply it smoothly and evenly because it's not like paint where you can kind of sand out the lines, all right? The whole idea here is that this stuff is hard when it's done, all right? It doesn't, you know, clean up very well. So, so it's hard enough to apply. But here's the real gotcha, all right, is that uh, it turns out, when you stop and think about it, it's actually, you know this, all right, concrete is porous, all right? All right? And so it turns out that a concrete floor is always a... Uh, 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 Venting gases, air, or whatever, right? So we put down all this epoxy, and while the epoxy was drying, bubbles formed in the epoxy. Um, all right? Oh. And he, oh. yeah, oh, is exactly right. It was a sad, sad situation. And uh, um, I said a moment ago that you can't work this stuff; you can't sand it down. Well, we figured out how to sand it down because we had to go and clean up a whole bunch of uh, these nasty bubbles. It was just a so. Listen, if anybody ever says, "Oh no, we we can put this epoxy floor down," no, don't do it. Find somebody who knows what they're doing, who has a good insurance policy, and let them do it.
2: Well, I was around my local commemorative Air Force wing when they built their new hangar. Yeah. Well we're a dead cow. Then they got this beautifully finished concrete floor done. And then they waited weeks for it to cure and get dry enough to bring in a crew to do the epoxy. And at one point there was serious talk about them doing it themselves mm-hmm. because they had some people there that knew the process but what was chafing at him most of all was they got the new hangar it's under roof they got the concrete floor they got the doors they can't freaking park airplanes on it mhm you park airplanes on it it's going to get oil on it right. you get oil on it and you're dead you are never going to get it out of there completely your epoxy's going to have dimples in it so it had to sit And it happened to be a a summer where the humidity wasn't exactly uh as low as usual. Mm-hmm. But they finally did get it dry enough. And the crew came in and in a marathon ordeal of the it took about I think it the whole process took like three days. I uh, that's sort of what I recall, yeah. Yeah. It they finally got it down and now they're so glad they did because it's easier to keep clean, it holds up well. Uh it's not that oil can't stain it, but you can clean it up. But it's so much easier to keep it clean for otherwise, but man, that's i my buddy Tom and I did epoxy paint on motorcycles that we built years ago, yeah, never again, yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, never again so well there's uh,
0: these the, the two part paints the, the two part paints these days are a lot easier to handle and a lot higher quality, so
1: are they really yeah I don't know. This was a nightmare. It was it was a very sad situation because and the floor looked better than it did before we epoxied it. I mean, it's not like we ruined it, but it didn't look like these beautiful smooth, completely shiny, unmarred floors that you see in some of these nice museums. Uh we had little little bubbles, little dots in ours. Oh well. Hmm yeah
0: it had character it had character that's right <laughs> it, 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 it's it's helps with attraction though
1: <laughs> yeah that's right it was all it was all a friction thing it's, it was it's all supposed about, to be that way yeah it was for, for, yeah right yeah that's what it was yeah that's what it was, okay what else is going on? what do you guys want to talk about? I feel like i'm monopolizing the uh the uh subject matter. Oh, I,
2: I I don't feel that way at all. No, no, okay. Yeah. So what are your flying plans for the summer? I mean, you know, today tomorrow the longest day of the year. Yeah. Uh the summer solstice uh we the days all get shorter from here until yeah. December.
1: So I was wandering around airports all over the weekend and uh I was up at Concord New Hampshire's airport. And uh, I was just, I was actually just driving by. Uh, I was literally driving, just kind of having a nice time on a nice day driving. And I was near Concord Airport, so I got to stop at the airport. So I stopped, and I went into the FBO, and I was chatting with the FBO guy, and I was asking him one sad thing. Uh, Concord, New Hampshire Airport, which is not a small airport, not a quiet, quiet airport, uh, has but one airplane for rent on the ramp. It's kind of sad. It has a 172. That's the main FBO. There may be some smaller FBOs. That have which rentals. airport is again? Concord, New Hampshire.
0: Oh, that sucks.
1: Yeah, it's just a, a single 172. The good news is it's $90 an hour wet, which is a pretty good price. Um... One seventy
0: two uh, for ninety bucks an hour—that is a good price. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so I was so I, I was heading back out to my car, and uh, and a guy comes up to me in the parking lot, and and he says, "We just asking about." Oh, and I was also asking about LSAs. I said, Do "You know anybody who rents LSAs?" Which is kind of a standard question I ask every FBO these days. And the guy comes up to me in the parking lot and says, "So you were looking for an F? You're looking for an LSA?" And and uh, and I said, "Yeah, I'm kind of just looking. I'm just asking around." And it turns out this guy was—he's looking for an airplane partner. He wants to buy like a one seventy two or one eighty two, and he's kind of just you know he heard me talking and he, so he struck up a conversation we had a nice conversation the point of this whole long story is that he mentioned that there's a 152 or a 150 uh down at Massachusetts that uh he said he and this guy is actually an a mechanic so he knows a little bit about it and he seems to think this 150 is in, in pretty decent shape um and it's sitting down there at, at Oh, wait a minute. I'm going to have to blip that out. I'm not going to say where it is. <laughs> I'm not going to tell people where it is. Um, but it's in another airport around the area. So, uh, And he thinks it might go for like 12000 uh, like twelve to $15,000. So, uh, so I'm thinking, oh, I got to go to Lawrence and find this airplane. Um, but I can't go to Lawrence now because I'm leaving on a trip first thing tomorrow morning. I won't be back until almost 4th of July. So, uh, so that, this is one of the things on my my agenda oh, for this man, summer. Is don't is don't be surprised true. if it's still there, and if it's not still there, we can help you find others. Yes, I know that, I know that. But uh, it just kind of fell in my lap. This guys t- we're chatting about this, and you know, and 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 I'm thinking, okay, he's talking about this airplane, and it's going to be twenty five thirty thousand dollar airplane. And then I said, do you have any idea what he's asking for it? He says twelve fifteen. I'm going, ooh, twelve fifteen. Okay, well now we're you know talking. So there you go, but I can't go visit it until uh, after I come back on the 28th.
2: So uh, I'm going to go down to well, that make, airport. make sure he knows, A, that you're not coming to see it because you're gone working and B, that if he still got it, when you get back from working, you will be there to see it. Yeah. Well,
1: the guy I was talking to isn't the owner of it. He's just a, he knows of it. And. Uh, so I'm pretty sure I can track it down though. But uh, well, I'm, but I'm buying an airplane shopping for an airplane is a big thing on my list this summer. And uh
0: Well while while we're talking, you know, there's this there's this new thing called um um trade a plane.
1: Yes, I know. Okay. The internet, <laughs> yeah. Because trade a is not a new thing, right? Yeah, but but <laughs> the
2: internet. And they have a pretty good website. Yeah. You've heard of websites. Yeah, I have heard of yeah. websites. Okay. Yeah. Well Here, I'm, a... I'm hoping this weekend to go look at a friend's tea craft. Hmm. Uh, it's an 85 horse, and uh, he's not flying it near enough. And it's about a year, maybe two, from needing a complete recover. Uh huh. Yep. Okay. Uh, if it passes punch test this year, I'm told there's no way it'll pass it next year. And the discussion on what the guys mentioned he would take to to have it off his hands. Is right in my dust quotient, as Annie would put it. Uh, that is, if I got it and I played with it for a while and then it sat and collected dust for a while, oh, okay. I wouldn't feel freaked out. Dust quotient. Okay, I get it. Yeah. Yeah, dust quotient. Yep. Uh, but I know what will happen if this happens is that I will wind up with a niche corner in the back of the Well of the Souls at Dead Cal International. <laughs> well, I put this puppy back together covered and probably a new interior over whatever time it takes. Just you know, as long as you're months, just twelve the, months, whatever. Well
0: of the souls. <laughs> yeah, I is know. That like, is that like Our Lady of Ciconite? No,
2: <laughs> no, that's uh, <laughs> that's good. No, Well of the Souls uh, from uh, the first Indiana Jones
1: movie. Yeah, no, no, I know what you're talking about. Yeah, so yeah. just that's fine, David. As long as your head doesn't explode and your eyeballs
2: pop out like that guy in the movie did. All right. Well, that yeah, that was outside the Well of the Souls. That was when he opened up the the ark. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, the the Comanche spent six months in the Well of the Souls. A friend of mine's uh uh Cessna uh 195 spent seven years in the Well of the Souls. Uh one of Kermit Weeks museum holdings spent twenty-four months in the Well of the Souls. Uh another friend's air coop spent two years in the Well of the Souls, tucked under the wing of the seven-year 190. So it's it, it it's a well reasoned accurate name for that particular square footage of 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 the leprechaun's hangar got it Got it. Yeah. That's where stuff goes to stay for a while. <laughs> yeah.
1: Speaking of recovering, did you hear that uh, they had to do a field recover on uh, aluminum overcast, one of EAA's yeah. B 52? Yeah, it's a hailstorm. Hailstorm. And uh, yeah. I saw a picture of it uh, and actually blogged about this on my uh, around the field blog. And uh, there's a picture there of. Uh, of the, I believe it's one of the elevator uh, uh control surfaces and uh with just like big gashes ripped in it my gosh oh it took a hell of a beating yeah but they apparently put it back together again it's it's already been repaired and has flown again so uh that's good
0: what's your what's your, what's your site
2: around the field.com around the field.net around the net. so uh yeah.
1: well they they co- uh
2: they, they, it, it's going to cost my insurance company, the last hailstorm we had, it's going to cost my insurance company something like 3600 bucks oh. to repair our Honda Element. Oh, okay. See, I, I got the I,
0: estimate yesterday. It's I wouldn't like,
1: have been surprised to hear an even bigger number than that. But uh, Wow.
0: But that, you got that, a, those are fabric surfaces, right?
1: Yeah, oh, you're looking at that picture? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and if you click
2: through to the EAA story, they've got a couple of pictures. And, uh, you know, it's just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. The sheet metal didn't take... Much damage at all, but the fabric-covered surfaces yeah. just
0: you wow. know, yeah. So that's a shame. That's a shame. And it
2: surprises people to know that seventeens were partly had fabric-covered control surfaces.
1: I guess you know. I mean, so those, did beach eighteens. Those of us who hang out at the at you know especially at Air Venture, you see lots of uh, of those airplanes in that vintage that have partly mostly aluminum and partly fabric. You remember that fabric.
0: You know, that P forty they found on the. Desert? Yeah. Was it not long ago? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the 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 World War II the pilot uh crash-landed um walked away. Don't know where the pilot is, but the airplane has been relatively preserved in the sand. Well, except for the control surfaces. <laughs> They're gone. Yeah, I would you know, think. they are metal. There's the, the underlying metal is still there, the frame, but the fabric right, yeah. covering is 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 not there. Yeah
1: yeah well you see that all the time when they pull airplanes out of the ocean too right is that right. the you know the metal is relatively intact but anything that could eat anything you know anything wood or fabric is gone and uh so anyways anyways i think we're reaching end a our allotted time here believe it or not uh
0: do that with some regularity, yeah. I know, huh?
1: We got a couple of shout outs here. Are we, is uh, there any other, other things you want to talk about before we wrap this up? We we're did Eric. one of the listener questions, Jeb. I know, <laughs> I know just, you were hot to do the listener questions, so for future reference, oh, do another, do another. All right, we'll just do, do, do that one that more, Jeb. One. You pick one.
0: No, one? I'm not gonna pick.
1: I'm well, one. The, you're all right. We got three. Let's see, you know, there's three you're more. The producer, here. You pick. We got somebody asking about wet wings on an uh, you know, wet wing fuel tank, fuel tanks. We yeah. got
0: somebody asking about uh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Per- I, I know what we can talk about. What? we can talk about, sustenance. 150s for sale on trader plane. Oh yeah, right. Did you find me an okay. airplane? What'd you find? Yeah, nine, here's a 59 uh, 150. Uh, it's it's high time engine. Uh, 15 grand is the asking price. How high time? Um, 1867 since major, so it's due for no. It's TBO is 2000. It's got a couple. You can always dollars. go beyond. You yeah. can always go beyond TBO. Um, here's another one. 159 uh, 1100 since major. Um, you know, you start, you start even. I haven't, I keep it's hard to break 20. 20
1: I know it is, and that's the thing. Um, yeah, you, I, I realize it,
0: that the first one listed here for 20 grand, exactly 20 grand, is um, uh, 67 150 G. There's a 73 uh, listed for 19. Mm-hmm. 99 uh, 65 you know, but there's a lot of them out there is the punchline and and whether they're close to you or not close to you, uh, you look for the best airplane you can for the money
1: yeah no make, that's, an offer, make an offer that's sort of my one of my things on my list after we get back from Oshkosh and um, work Well, right now work is quiet after Oshkosh so we'll, we'll see but uh, um, so you really want to do another question or you want to put them off we'll hold them for next time you want to do another question <laughs> you still there.
0: Is I'm still Dave's? here, but... Oh, okay. I thought I heard somebody in the kitchen. Yeah, no, no, this <laughs> is... my brother I did
1: too. My brother is here at, at, at Lookout ah, Point, okay. and and nice. he's puttering around in the background here. Lord knows what he thinks about me talk only hearing one end of this conversation, but uh, um, I warned him, so anyways.
0: Well, uh, he, ought to, he ought to be used to that from you by now. <laughs> yeah.
1: One listener here. This is a listener... Oh, see, I've got this all organized in a different way today. Let's see here. How do I find this guy's name here? Keep doing Almost got it. Almost got it. I think it's listener uh, textbook. He calls himself in the forums, um, and uh, he wonders about trainees in the in the in the tower. Um, apparently, he had a, a little not an incident, not a formal incident, but he just sort of had a moment where there was some confusion regarding him and ATC. <laughs> and uh, we we have one of those stories too. Yeah, oh. and so uh, and it turned out I don't know whether he actually knew it for sure or it was just seemed that the that the controller was a trainee because somebody stepped in and helped and uh and and uh, the and the listener wondered whether or not this really makes sense. Is this really a good idea for trainees to be in the towers and, and on the frequency? Is this
2: is it?
0: Well I don't, I don't know. Where else are you
2: it. gonna where else are you gonna get final closure on knowing your skills? I don't know. They got super duper uh uh air control tower simulators these days they do. They do. But at some point, you're going to be doing that for the first time. Yeah. And, and believe me, human behavior, pilot behavior... ...can far exceed the creativity of simulator authors. Okay. But let me ask this question.
1: So, so they don't put a trainee out there all by themselves, right? There's no, somebody no. looking over their shoulder, no, absolutely right? Absolutely
0: not. Yeah. yeah, okay. Absolutely. Yeah. That's why they're called a trainee. Right.
1: But you never know. And, you know, some of or, us... Or developmental, as they developmental, do. Yeah. A, de- a developmental. Oh, right. See, because we just <laughs> couldn't use a regular old word. No. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, so, with the emphasis on the mental part, because they want to be an air traffic controller. So when someone... <laughs> <laughs> so
1: when someone is a relatively new controller, they don't just get dumped out there. There's somebody standing no. next to them the whole time. I, I mean, it,
0: no, you say that like it's
1: obvious, and I don't
0: think that's obvious. It is to a lot obvious. Of it, it is obvious. At least it's obvious to me. Okay. Um, both from, I guess, just you know, reading up on the on the, um, the fate of or the status yeah. of air traffic. Controllers and, and how the whole system works, but also in practice. Um, frequently, I, I, there's a, there's this one radar facility I go through um, when I go to Georgia a lot, and I know the the first voice I hear is going to be a trainee. It's that kind of facility, mm-hmm. um, and there's always another voice there if something goes awry or mm-hmm. if I, if I have a question or something like that. Um, it, and I've seen, you know. We've all, you know, seen uh, a soup come on and, and, and override a controller. Uh, I won't say we all have, but I certainly have. Um, so there's always two two pairs of eyes looking at things, at least for your for your sector. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure. and, and frequently more than that. And that's even at the FPL level. So with a trainee, you've got an FPL who's also certified as an instructor, or I don't want to say instructor per se but he's approved let's put it that way to to conduct training in that facility right there's the train and there's probably a, a data side guy there too
1: mm-hmm. okay so the trainees are not up there all by themselves this yeah. is yeah yeah right okay um You know, speaking of these cool simulators, we, a bunch of years, like a long time ago, uh, we were all in an uproar when they moved the flight service stations from all these cool little local airports to a bunch of centralized things. Did you see the story that was in the news recently that they're they're putting together a plan where they're going to replace air traffic control towers with a camera on a phone pole? And, and they're going to have some sort of 360-degree camera array, and then that's going to feed one of these simulator-like um, um, workstations uh, where, I don't know, the controllers are going to be in Mumbai or something, okay? And uh, uh, seriously, ah. I saw this. Did you
2: see this? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that, where they're, they're going to consult... The the first step, as I read it, was to consolidate a number of towers into one regional central operation. Yeah, co-located hey. probably with a tra—you uh, know—with a, a larger tracon. Yeah, yeah.
1: Jeb is speechless with uh, apoplexy here. Yeah, <laughs> you're not happy with this at all, are you, Jeb? <laughs> Jeb?
0: Let's talk about something else. Okay. <laughs> yeah. uh,
1: shout outs, what do you got? I got a couple here. What do I want to do? I've, my go ahead. my shout out is I so last week I don't know, it was last week or the week before we were talking about the doors popping open on bizjets and debonairs and whatnot. And <laughs> and I kept and when I was listening to it, when I was doing post production on the episode, I, I realized that I kept using my cub ride with Laminar where the door popped open as an example. And I just wanted to apologize to Laminar. All right, I, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I never, yeah, are you real? I really, I never
0: really had a, any doubts. Whiskey, fart,
1: yeah, I know. I never really had any concerns for my safety or our safety. Laminar is an awesome pilot. I would fly with him any day of the week in any plane he brought over. Um, I, I, it was a convenient example of when I'd been in an airplane recently where the door popped open, um, I, and I done, didn't make. I, I, I just hate the idea that I might have made it sound like I was questioning Laminar's judgment in the way that he chose to fix this open door. Um, it was a perfectly fine situation, very safe, and a great ride, a lot of fun. So.
2: And you're so fortunate that Cubs don't have ejections. <laughs> yeah,
1: I know. Oh, yeah, where did we see that story? No, that's something else altogether. <laughs> uh, so sorry, Laminar. That's my shout-out. What else? Um, you guys got one? I got one more. Go ahead. Okay. A listener that we met, I think it was last summer at Oshkosh, possibly the summer before at Oshkosh, a listener who goes by his initials, JR. All right. You, remember, you guys remember JR? kind of a big guy, had his little daughter with him. He was staying in the Super 8. He came out to our beer bust, and we saw him a couple of different times. Uh, I think from, so, yeah. yeah. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Nice yeah. guy. All right. Yeah. Uh, turns out, for whatever misguided reason, he's decided to start a podcast, all right, and uh, an aviation th- podcast.
0: This is what we call top of descent.
1: Okay. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> uh, he's created a he started a podcast that he calls the the Aviation Story podcast, and uh, he's uh, up to episode three or four now. Three, I guess. And uh, uh, it, it's it's a little bit more of a straight interview thing. He just talks with people about you know aviation stuff, and uh, it's pretty cool. And uh, anybody who's interested in in uh, well you know that kind of uh, of conversation and and information, you ought to go check out the Aviation Story podcast uh the website is uh, as you might imagine the aviation story.com was not available so uh he what he ended up with what is it's it's, Avstri, it's Avstry. it's a v s t r y so it's sort of aviation story but with a lot of the vowels taken away all right uh dot
0: not unlike this podcast yeah yeah
1: so uh check it out the aviation story podcast and uh uh good stuff Okay, that's really all
2: I got. You guys must have a shout out of some sort. No, I, I got a quickie. Okay, yeah, I, I want to give a shout out to AOPA for supporting the integration of unmanned aircraft systems <laughs> into the national <laughs> airspace. <laughs> uh, okay. I haven't been as thrilled by an endorsement by AOPA since they endorsed the privatization of the flight safety uh, flight service station system. And uh, I I can only hope that uh, the the integration of uh, uh, UABs with AOPA support uh, goes
0: better. Mm -hmm. And I'm done. I'd like to second that and and just note that uh, we'll have a link to uh, a page on AOPA's website saying, quote, AOPA supports the integration of unmanned aircraft systems into the national airspace system as long as they, quote, do no harm, unquote. To current operators. Yeah, right. OPA Vice President of Air Traffic Services and Modernization. Would, and would that be the line. dronocratic oath? <laughs> the dr- this, yeah. This yeah. is dayline June 7, uh, 2012. Yeah, no, I know. I know. I know. It's like, what? I,
1: you know, I, I, I get what you're saying, all right? But you know what? This is what I've been saying all along. This is going to happen, all right? Maybe we need to not... not Fight a losing battle. Maybe we need to figure out how to win. Win what we can win here, and and uh, well, you know, do no harm may be the best solution we can come up with. Maybe
2: I, I I am one person who believes that there are great things to be had and and wonderful progress to be made through smart compromise. Uh, that is where. Opposing sides give equal distance in the pursuit of a solution that's in the middle ground that does not harm anybody, particularly more than anybody else. Uh, But this is one I'm having trouble with. Mm -hmm. You don't think it's inevitable? I I, I do think it is inevitable, but I don't see what risk there is to the drone industry except cash. Yeah, well, and I see the risk to our community much deeper. Let's put it this way. If there's a freaking mid-air collision between a Cessna and a drone, how at risk is the drone pilot of being a fatality? Yeah, no, I, know. I hear what you're saying. I, you know, And until there's some parity there, I, I look at all this, oh, yeah, we can make this work. Uh, trust us. The technology well, will come around. How, how would you establish parity? Parody. Uh, if there's a midair collision, something kills the drone pilot.
1: <laughs> no, okay. Well, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, how about David? If they had, to, if every drone had to carry some sort of monstrous insurance policy,
2: uh, I'm sorry, but dead people don't get to spend insurance money. Yeah, I, I, I don't see where there's room for compromise in your your view here, David. Well, there is room for compromise. Sure. There absolutely is. Okay. Let's 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 have the demonstration of that infallibility of uh, equal to human infallibility before we start unleashing them in the public airspace. And that's not what's happening here. It's like, well, we're going to progressively introduce them, smaller and then larger, line of sight and then satellite, you know, controlled, and then we'll correct the problems when they occur. I I, for one, you know, correcting a problem that's like saying you're going to correct a death penalty sentence after it's happened. Mm Basically,
0: AOPA, yeah, go ahead. Basically, basically, AOPA here is saying, I welcome our new drone overlords. Okay, yeah, I guess so. All right, you know, and it's ironic because the
1: drones are unlikely to join the wine club, so you know, you. You can't understand where APO AOPA is at these days. I don't understand but, it.
0: But look at it, and there's no market here for you know, uh, um, uh, uh, medical insurance,
1: yeah,
0: or legal legal advice. Well,
1: maybe there is, and that's the whole point, you know. Well, I don't
0: uh, know,
1: you know. Anyways, all right, David. Well, you there take could your be your point, a market David. for liability insurance for drone pilots. That's what I'm saying. Well, yeah, right. So, anyways, all right, David. Now you make a good point. I, I'm just kind of playing a little devil's advocate here, but uh, you know, oh no, 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 it's that's complicated- okay.
2: I- I, I I'm I'm with you on that. I'm still trying to figure out where they went from being radio controlled models to drones. But yeah, I guess well, that's a man. I guess that's primarily a matter of mission well, statement. It's marketing, yeah. right now.
0: Yeah. Again, though, I think the one of the keys here is uh, I don't know what AOPA means here by do no harm to current operators. Yeah. Uh, does that mean they're going to send a strongly worded letter the first time? one of these does do harm to a current operator what's the alternative on one level but more importantly I mean are we really talking about mixing robots up with with, uh, uh, whether it's commercial or non-commercial aircraft in the airspace is that really what we're talking about probably I mean are are, are we thinking this through probably not Um, yeah Okay.
2: Our 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 best technological attempts to enhance see and avoid, it's called TCAS, and there's still problems. Yeah. So putting blind aircraft in the airspace, um, uh, I don't welcome them until they can show they can do no harm, and then I'll welcome them. Yeah. Okay. Anyways. Yeah.
0: And put, putting aside for the moment the the. The threat to general aviation operations uh, by having these types of vehicles in the national airspace system on a routine basis. Um, are we really talking about mix these, these robots mixing it up with, with uh, flights carrying, paying passengers? Is that what we're talking about here? Because I, that's what I'm hearing.
1: I, I think so. In, in in exactly the same way that you see military aircraft in the pattern with non-military aircraft, you know? you know.
0: Yeah, but
2: the military aircraft have there's humans.
0: A, there's a human in that military aircraft. Right.
2: But that's, but it, I think operationally, will eventually. will be, be the first human at the scene of the crash.
1: I, I certainly understand the risk that you're describing. What I'm saying is that operationally, it will be the same one day. Not that far in the future, I bet.
0: Yeah. Anyways, we'll see. Well, I mean, operationally, for, f- to a great extent, it's that way now.
1: Well, I don't think we have gone so far as to have them in the we, pattern. We all
0: have, we all, well, no, we're not in the pattern, but um, on a long final, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we see that now, basically, a fully automated flight, and it's routine, but there's always a human on sitting board. by. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, right. To, to, to grab the controls if the If the pilot fails right before he 's bitten by the dog i I get that part, but you 're still always going to be a human there, yeah, and and the stuff does break, yeah
1: way back when they used to so that when they built ships, well they still do build ships, but when they you know they used to build these ships um, on inclined ramps at the edge of the river, and then they would slide these ships uh, sometimes they built them so they 'd slide sideways into the river. And the ships would uh, would uh, create a big wave, and um, sometimes people would line up on the other side of the river to watch the ships be launched. And uh, occasionally the ship would make such a big wave that it would drown the people on the far side of the river. And so the uh, the, uh, the people in charge solved this problem by mandating that the uh, engineers who designed the ramps and managed the construction process <laughs> had to observe the launch from the far side of the river. And uh, I, don't know, I don't know if that's applicable or not, but it came to mind. So anyways. Fork time. we got to go. Uh, let's see now. So uh, <laughs> we're doing things differently tonight. I'm pretty sure that all the standard uh, credits and thank yous will appear magically at the end of this podcast. But uh, is there anything you're working on that you want to tell us about, David? Oh, yeah. Uh, what am I working on? Well, uh, yes. Right. Okay. Jab. <laughs> anything you're working on that you want to tell us about? We'll come back to David in a second.
0: Um I'm working on a lot of stuff. No, I don't want to talk about it. Okay. Uh,
1: let's
2: see now. Uh, yeah, uh, Flim at 11. A, yeah, right. Flim 11. David, go ahead. There's a, there's a somewhat interesting piece on uh, uh, the, uh, uh, the threats of cockpit distractions uh, in the uh, uh, June issue of World Aircraft Sales Magazine that you can find online uh, if you're not too distracted to read it.
1: Okay, anything else? Is that it? That's it, okay, and uh, I continue to work on uh, the volume two of the Around the Field uh, collection. Um, you can uh, uh, go into Amazon and search for Jack Hodgson as an author, and you'll find it there and uh, and please do check out uh, my new revived blog AroundTheField.net, dot uh, net where I'm kind of starting to to post things on a pretty regular basis. I- I'm looking for the video game. Where in the world is Jack Hodgson? Yeah, they, well, that's coming along too where it's a multimedia world. We were supposed to
0: talk about that, Dave Wow. Man,
1: I'm sorry. All right, boys. Good talking with you. Thank you. We'll talk to you again next week. Waldo
2: made me do it.
1: The members of the Uncontrolled Airspace podcast are participating as private individuals. Their comments do not necessarily reflect the views of the various organizations they work with. Also, anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like advice on aircraft operation is obviously very general. You should always consider your own situation, remember your training, and fly the airplane. But you knew that.